We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. A historic day in Lakers franchise history. We're recording an emergency podcast because the Lakers have traded Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the fourth pick in the 2019 draft, and two future first-round picks, along with the possibility of first-round pick swaps that would benefit the Pelicans in the future in exchange for Anthony Davis. The trade has finally been done, according to Adrian Wojnarowski and several other reporters around the NBA. Man, I'm just going to leave it open, man. What, what are your first thoughts when, when you heard that? What are your, what's your initial reaction? Honestly, my initial reaction was, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. My second reaction, a follow-up to that, it, it sort of builds on part of the conversation we had at the end of our last pod, which feels like it was just yesterday, where I said that I was uh, really going to miss the the guys who left, right, in any potential Davis trade. And I especially feel that about Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Josh Hart. They, like, besides LeBron, and LeBron sort of operates in his own universe with this because he's the team's best player. But... Besides LeBron, those three were probably my favorite players on the mm-hmm. team. And so to see all of them leave, um, that's a tough one for me. And, and, and then closely right after that is the Lakers just got Anthony freaking Davis. And like, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around getting a player that good. 
to come onto your team. And, and so all of this will sort of balance out, I think, in terms of where I'm at emotionally. But, but right in the aftermath of, of it, and, and I just said this on Twitter too, is, is I'm a bit happy, a bit sad, and honestly a bit anxious. Mm-hmm. And the anxious part we'll get into the rest of the pod, I, I imagine, about what comes next now in terms of building out a team that is basically has a lot of gaps in it now. And we'll get into that more, though, later, I'm sure. Where are you at? You know, I'm in a similar place. We ended last podcast, which is a nice segue into this, uh, just talking about, you know, the emotional element, the kind of feeling like you're rooting for someone else's team. In, and it's not rational. It's not any reason to not make this type of decision. But it, it's certainly like, oh, wow, this is a... Uh, this is a new era, you know. This is a um, this is a clear demarcation in the similar way that that LeBron signing LeBron. But in some ways, to me, this is even more significant in going from one era to the next because, with the exception of Kuzma, everybody else is gone. Right? Like this is a going to be an entirely new team next season with the exception of LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma. And, you know, hopefully we get Caruso back and, and who knows. But in terms of the the core guys, it is a, a clear distinction from one year to another that is startling, right? By the same token, man, Anthony Davis is 26 years old and a top seven-ish player yes. in the NBA. Assuming that he's looking to re-sign with the Lakers in 2020, and Woj has already reported that that is the plan for him to do that. Um, he's going to enter free agency because it's more beneficial for him to sign that five-year deal at the max numbers. You get yeah. There are a few. There are a few like CBA sort of loopholes and extension and ability to sort of like boost his salary. There, there are ways under the construct of the CBA to actually make it beneficial for him to extend. Those are probably not going to be put into use, though, based off of the Lakers who want to use cap space on an additional player this offseason and not just sort of tuck away some cap space to make an Anthony Davis extension actually viable. That's right. For they're, him. they're looking so, to go big, right? And, and we'll talk about yes. some of the cap machinations of they need to they don't automatically have max cap space for a third guy, but they can, by virtue of waiting 30 days, they'd be able to do that. And I think Anthony Davis has to waive his trade kicker as well, which it's been reported that he would. But the Lakers, I'm going to operate under the assumption that the Lakers have a mid-tier max. And what that means is players who have played between seven and nine years in the NBA will be eligible for $32.5 million or so. It might be 32.1, but it's right in that range. And then players who are eligible, who have played 10 or more years, are eligible for, I think, 37.1 or 37.5. So that would be yeah. Kevin Durant would be the, the max cap. And then the mid-tier guys are the majority of the guys available. Kawhi, Kyrie, uh, Kemba Walker. Most of the guys that you could think of, Jimmy Butler, are in that seven to nine range and so the Lakers can get to that that number in order to get that that third guy now they can also move Mo Wagner for nothing if they won't need to create a couple million of cap space uh, Isaac Bonga that shouldn't be an issue Isaac yeah Bonga. guys like that so so yeah. let's without getting too in the weeds let's operate under the assumption that they have that um that's the route that I would like to see them go going forward um you know getting AD Assuming Anthony Davis resigns, 
you're guaranteed to have a superstar on the team for the next four or five years at the very least and to have two of them on the team at once in a league that all of a sudden feels very wide open with the very unfortunate injuries to Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson Kawhi Leonard's free agency being up in the air there is no real prohibitive favorite and if you ask Vegas right now the Lakers might be the favorite even though they got like four dudes on the team right now yeah they're one of the top you know depending on what book you go to right right like so the league's wide open I get it man I get why you make a move like this even if it is I I felt like they overpaid um it was also something where the Lakers pro and and not just the Lakers but Rob Palenka probably had to get this deal done um and so what route do you want to see going forward Darius are you more of the mind of pursue that third max and then fill out the team with the room exception and then vet minimum guys or would you like to see them use that cap space to be kind of a more balanced roster and add two three four role player type high quality role player type of guys with that money so I there's no way for me to say a yes and no here but that's where my mind is right and so Mm -hmm. now that you are actually have Davis in hand and LeBron in hand, and a big chunk of cap space. And the cap space is now the asset that the Lakers have to play with. Everything is, I'm looking at everything from a value standpoint now, right? And so max players, true max players, are the ultimate value, right? Because their salary is capped, and the seven- to nine-year players is capped at, at, at 30% of, of the salary cap. And true max players typically bring more value than that to the table. So if they're able to sign a true max player, then I would say, yes, that's the way that I want to go. That's where we start to get into the questions about how many of those guys that you just named are actually true max players? Kawhi is one. I would probably say that Jimmy Butler is one. I'm not sure if Kemba Walker is one, honestly. As a standalone player mm-hmm. in a vacuum, he might be one playing next yeah, to you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. For sure. When you get to Kemba, you can start talking me into the role players would be a preferable route to go. But I'm with you on Jimmy and Kawhi. Uh, and what about Kyrie? Where do you stand on him? Kyrie's an interesting case. Like, I think in a vacuum, he too is a max player. I think that he is also a bit of a higher usage type player. And this is where the idea of... of and. We're going to be able to talk about this for a long time now because, because this is the way that the Lakers roster is going to be set, set, set up. So I might even ping you or push this back, back to you is what kind of third player in terms of your next best player, what kind of player do you want that to be when playing next to LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis? Do you want a high usage wing? Do you want a high-usage point guard? Would you prefer something else? Like, There's an argument to be made that um, high-performing, sort of under-the-max, but really good NBA rotation players who are, if not necessarily specialists, but, but slotted appropriately, 
would be could be better fits next to these two specific players. I, I haven't wrapped my head around it yet. Like, yeah, man, it's a lot to chew on right now. Like, isn't it? like, <laughs> like, where are you at? Honestly, be because look, man, like the Lakers are shallow in the backcourt right now and shallow on the wing. They just right. traded away. Yes. Their three, right. They, they, in theory, if LeBron James were not on the team, right. They, or even if LeBron James is on the team, the Lakers could have easily went into next season if they had not made this trade and and really had not signed a max level free free agent, who would have been their starting point guard? Lonzo Ball. Who would have likely been their starting shoe shooting guard? Josh Hart. Who would have likely been the starting forward next to LeBron James? Brandon Ingram. All of those guys are gone, right? And so, so the Lakers have gaps to fill in. You could easily slot Kyle Kuzma between LeBron James and Anthony Davis and say, okay, that's the team's front court. Now let's fill out the back court. How do you go about doing that? And you could say, well, go ahead, snatch up Kim Kemba Walker and pay him the max. And now you have a very good all NBA level or on the fringes of that guard, right? Kemba made third team all NBA this season. And he's been an all-star in the East for take that for what it's worth, I guess. But he's been an all-star player. So do you go that route? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm honestly not sure, and I think I need to marinate more. So Kawhi, above all else, I don't care what position he plays. He is a a special, like, you know, future top 20, top 25, if not higher of all time type of player. And it doesn't matter what position those guys play, right? Um, If you get a chance to get Kawhi freaking Leonard, you get Kawhi freaking Leonard. Second on that list for me would be Kyrie Irving. Hmm. And I, I do think they need a guard for the reasons that you laid out. I think he also, he's 27 years old. Anthony Davis is 26. I think you start extending LeBron James's prime. Obviously, he has a history with LeBron uh, that's maybe checkered off of the court, but they did win a title together. And he certainly knows what it means to play alongside him. There is no guesswork. And even the whole framework is that Anthony Davis is basically Kevin Love on steroids, right? So the whole like setup of that point guard, LeBron being a wing point guard, you know, just LeBron being LeBron, and then that big guy with perimeter ability is it's the same setup as it is in Cleveland, but with better player as the, as your five. And I think for the long-term benefit, if you can get that third max guy in there, as LeBron starts to get older and starts to decline, you still have two, one superstar in Anthony Davis and one star in Kyrie that are in their primes that are able to, you know... It, all of a sudden, you might have the luxury of LeBron being your second or third option, right? And that extends LeBron's career. Also, the nature of Kyrie's game and Anthony Davis's game is that would allow LeBron to kind of vacillate between being the perimeter shot creator that he's always been, but also being more of the big man that I think as guys get older and a guy like him, it's more natural for him as he gets older, right? You've And you can have these closing lineups of LeBron at the four and Anthony Davis at the five. 
five with Kyrie at the point, and then hopefully some three and D type of guys at the two and three. Now, if you go that route, you're very thin on the roster for this year. You, that means that you have the room exception available, which is about $4 million. And in an off season where 20 to 25 teams have a lot of cap space, the type of guy that you can get for $4 million is going to be different this off season, not as good as he would have been if you got him last off season. Yeah, there will be no Brooke Lopez. Right, at $4 million. million. That's exactly right. Now, you're going to have ring chasers. You're going to get guys probably taking a bit of a discount to come here to join this. You'll you'll also have vet minimum salaries available, right? And there are always guys that have some degree of contribution. But at the end of the day, the Lakers are going to have a lot of guys that fit that type of... Uh, that type of description if they do go the third max route. So they'll be thin this year if they do that. But going forward, the following year, that means you have the mid-level exception available, which is which will be eight or nine million dollars. And then that's when you can start doing, you know, adding to the room level guy you get this year. You start going over the cap for the result of that. You resign Anthony Davis. That's when the, I think like the formula, the, the, theory, the league's so wide open. The, go ahead. I was going to say the formula that you're describing right now is actually what happened with the Miami Heat when they signed LeBron and Bosch. Oh, that's perfect. To go, I totally forgot about that, but that's exactly right. To yeah. go with Dwayne Wade. They had to do a ton of cap gymnastics to make those guys fit underneath the cap, right? And then you can say Udonis Haslam is like the Kyle Kuzma version, right? Like Haslam was the guy that they were able to sort of maneuver and work in with that group. And then all they did was just chase low salary guys before they could sort of build the roster back up in year two, year three, and year four, right? And then LeBron left. But they won the championship. They went to the finals each year, but that first year they lost, right? And part of that, was, we don't need to go over why, why they lost or how they lost. But the next year in, they start to add more talent. And then the year after that, they continue to supplement that. And I think what you're talking about is exactly right, right? Like they would be able to sort of go after uh, a $4 million type of player. Like maybe that's a Reggie Bullock. Maybe that's a Wayne Ellington, right? Maybe it's, um, it's another type of, of wing player. I think it should be a wing player and probably a backcourt player like a, a two or or a three, two. Bro, can, can I can I jump in real yeah. quick? Just I, I've got to geek out on something. I'm working on this. I've been working on an Anthony Davis video that's about forty percent done. And as soon as we're done here, I'll get back to it at a faster pace because I was working on a Darius Garland video too, and I will not be working on that anymore. Um, so if you can put a shooter, a guy that can come off of screens alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I cannot begin to tell you how absolutely incredible that is. The the wide pin down, so a, a wide pin down screen is when you've got a shooter in the corner and you've got your big usually is going to set a screen for him and then roll off of it or pop off of it depending on the the what the shooter does. The big has to read opposite, right? So if the shooter pops behind the three-point line, the big is going to roll to the basket. If the shooter is being trailed and wants to curl to the basket, the big, if he has the skill set to do it, is going to pop out beyond the three-point line. Anthony Davis is absolutely spectacular at every single element of what it takes to be great off of wide pin downs as that screen setter. He 
sets good screens. He rolls and is one of the most devastating role men in the league. He's got some of the best hands in the league. He catches absolutely everything in terms of lobs, right? So he's going to set the screen, roll hard to the basket, and his timing's just off the charts, right? If the shooter curls off of it and goes to the basket, he can pop out. And he's an okay three-point shooter. I think that if with a perimeter shot creator, and especially two, if Kyrie comes, he can get that 33% or so where he's at now. If he can get that to 35 36 I think that's a distinct possibility you saw he was working with a shooting coach this summer already yeah no I saw that he's working with uh with lethal shooter and like just a couple more percentage points man and ooh, but he's like he's okay at those part of his it's it's actually remarkable I don't want to get too off on a tangent here his shot selection is actually pretty bad and I think part of that comes as being the like lone star player on a team um I think we're gonna see both LeBron and Anthony Davis's shot selection improve as a result of being together because they've got another guy they can count on in those type of situations. Anyhow, on top of Anthony Davis being able to do absolutely everything that you want to do on wide pin downs, and wide pin downs are extremely common. Every team in the league runs them, and they're great early offense sets. And even in the finals, you'll see that happening all the time. Uh, You cannot switch against Anthony Davis punishes switches. So that makes your screening game a lot more viable. Um, On top of Anthony Davis doing all of that, LeBron is one of the greats, if not the best passer of all all time off of those specific plays. So if you can get a Reggie Bullock back for $4 million, and Bullock's a solid defender, right? But Bullock being able to come off of screens and be a threat in the high 30s, low 40s as a shooter, I cannot tell you how absolutely unstoppable a trio like that would be. I just had to get that out there because I've been working on this video, video and just being like, Oh my God, if they get a shooter that can come off of screens, they, like, it's, there's no way you stop Anthony Davis, LeBron, and a shooter on those three-man game type of sets. It's just not. So thank you for letting me jump in there, but I am geeking out so hard at the possibility of that. No, so the, the action that you just described is what Cleveland killed teams with with Corver, with Corver and Kevin Love. Right. right. And, except, and except love doesn't have the vertical element of that's right. being able to fly through the air and finish everything like that. Right. He's a better shooter, but he can't do that. That's right. And, and so it's funny because when you were describing Anthony Davis as like this, this lob threat <clears throat> um, and, and sort of a role man, it made me think of like, oh, so basically what you're saying is, is, is like how JaVale McGee was only with better hands and with and with more skill and with an ability to pop behind a three-point line and then beat guys off the dribble and then and pull up from you know not only pull up from three and hit at an okay rate right an okay rate not league average a little bit below league average but an okay rate but also hit he can hit the long two he can he's got he's got Probably the best ball handling ability of any big in the league. It's unbelievable. He's yeah. unbelievable. No, he's just like, like yeah. I mean, no, and, and, and look, the Lakers overpaid in this deal from like a negotiation perspective, right? Like I, I think that their offer was so much more than anyone else was willing to give. Um, they also need, needed this trade to be done, but Anthony Davis is a, a freaking monster. It sounds like and they piled on at the end in order to ensure that the Pelicans would not wait any longer, right? Yeah. And so, like, and this is where, and look, 
I'm happy for Rob Palinka that he got this deal done, right? I think this was a deal that he probably felt I need to get this deal finished. And I, I think that was part of the problem, quite frankly, um, that, you know, I think they could have kept more, but what can you do? Yeah. I mean, I mean so my only pushback against that is, is that the Lakers assets were actually all too strong. So, so what I mean by that is, is that, that we talked about this last podcast about it sort of being a math problem with Ingram and Lonzo making so much money and then the number four pick having such um, a significant cap hold if they're able to use that as salary ballast as well in this deal that I actually think and whether or not however the Lakers value Kuzma to me isn't as relevant here for this part of of the conversation, although it does matter, is that Hart and Kuzma's salaries together aren't even half of what, like, Lonzo and Ingram salaries are next season. You know what I mean? And and so even within the construct of the Lakers' assets, there were, like, two really distinct tiers and no middle ground for them, right? right? They didn't have a number, like... 12 or 13 pick, like a Mikael Bridges, you know, who could be sort of this bridge player in between their really, um, like, we all love Josh Hart. We all love Kyle Kuzma. I would have loved if they could have said, oh, well, instead of Hart, you get Mo Wagner. You know what I mean? But, like, I just feel like the Lakers' assets, if, if, it just would have been great if, like, one of Lonzo or Ingram or number four were not in this deal. You know what I mean? Because that would have been fantastic. It's just that, and maybe that would have been the case if one of Lonzo or Ingram were actually, you know, the the eighth or tenth pick from his draft. You know? <laughs> Like, his salary would be different. He probably has a different reputation within the construct of the league. His, his, the viewpoint on, on his long-term potential probably changes. There's all these factors. The fact is, though, is that, yes, the Lakers overpaid. I just feel like they only had four or five assets in theory that they could give up. And it just so happens that two of the other... Like the number four and number five or the four through six assets that they had on on the table could not equate to what one of those three assets at the top actually were. And so they they just included them. I like that's not to say that they didn't overpay. It's just I I I guess I just wish that the value of the Lakers' assets were actually a little bit more staggered, if that makes sense. Because I think it would have no, m- it does. made for a better construction of a deal that fans, at least, or people like you and me, likely would have found a bit more acceptable. Yeah, they didn't have anyone, like, solid in between, you know. Uh, you know, maybe Josh Hart counts as that, considering his salary. But, yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from, and, you know, they— 
added a couple of firsts and who knows what the language is regarding the first round pick swap. There's when you start getting into that, like two future firsts, which I didn't value particularly highly, but it is something. And then you start talking pick swaps several years down the line. You start getting into, is this a Brooklyn trade type type territory? But it's not for a 36-year-old Kevin Garnett and a 35-year-old or 34-year-old. No, they got 26-year-old Anthony Davis, right? Like, I mean... Yes, exactly. And and we talked about, like, not getting too cute about it in the the last one, right? I think it's an overpay. I would have liked to see Palenka handle it differently, at the end of the day, they've got themselves a super, a 26-year-old superstar, and it will be uh, easy to get over. I, I have some concerns about the depth of the team, if he gets hurt, if LeBron gets hurt, right? But it is, at the end of the day, a risk worth taking. I totally agree with that. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break, get a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. And then our friends at Harry's are, are here to make sure that our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million people who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com backslash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. All right, man, so... uh. So where the hell do we go from here, Darius? What, what's next? Look, man, like, it, it's, it's funny. I almost feel like, purposefully or not, the last podcast that we recorded truly was like a real prequel to this one. Mm-hmm. Because one yeah. of the things that I said in that pod was, show me moves three through ten. <laughs> right? And, mm-hmm. and I said, assu- like, let's just say the Lakers just hired Frank Vogel. Let's say they get Anthony Davis. That's moves one, one and two. Show me moves three through ten. So the Lakers, I'm, so let's say this. I am hopeful that this deal actually gets, that the trade call gets put in on July 30th. L- let's see what the next moves are for this roster. We already talk, talked about sort of the, this idea of, of max player versus like several sort sort of high quality role 
will role players. The more and more I think think about that now, I'm actually leaning more and more towards going at a max player. I think that this is a year where, just like you said, so much of the league is going to have cap space that I actually think the value of being able to sign two or three players with $28 million or $32 million, the the likelihood that you're going to get overperformance from those players relative to, to, to their contract is probably low this season. Yep. You might have been able to do that last offseason, but this is not the offseason to, to Yeah, like that. I think that this might be a year where you see guys like, like Nikola Mirotic get like 15 or $18 million a year, right? Mm-hmm. And, and wow, the Lakers could really use or... They couldn't use Miritich, right? But let's just say there were a shooting guard version of of Miritich on um, available. Could they really afford to say, okay, like you're going to be our really maybe our our fourth best player, and we're going to pay you eighteen million dollars a season, right? Like, no, no, just get the legit max yes. guy, man. Like that. That's. Yeah. So I think after that, what like what you're looking at is is what type of pieces are you actually looking to add to this specific team? Uh, like it sounds like oh you can put hashtag analysis after well, well, well after this, but shooting and defense, man, shooting and defense. Yeah. Like those are the two things. Like preferably in well, well in the same player, but if they can't be in the same player, then sign as many shooters and as many defenders as as you can to flank these guys. Like, when you said, oh, I'd love for them to bring back Alex Caruso, sure, I'd like that too. I wouldn't even mind taking another flyer on Jamario Jones. Right. I thought right? of him too. Yep. Like, um, you you know, I can tell you things I don't want. Like Rondo? Yes, I don't want Rondo. You know Rondo's Rondo. going to be our starting point guard, right? Look, I don't want Rajon Rondo. <laughs> You know, LeVar Ball may be gone, so so you can replace me with the speaking into existence guy, all right? I'm going to be speaking into existence guy. Bro, I am so emotionally prepared for them to re-sign Rondo right now, Darius. I'm so ready. Like, I know, like, if they don't do it, I'll be surprised. I don't want it either, right? Stop talking about it. All right, you're right. Just stop talking about it. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I will. I will no, silence no, it into. Uh, no, we're going to speak other things into existence. existence. Okay, there we go. Yes, push yes. it out of, push it into oblivion. Yes, continue. No, carry on. They're not going to need Rajon Rondo when they get Kemba Walker or Kyrie Irving. Let's right, like positive thoughts here. That, see, that, that's know. even Let's, more reason for it to be Kyrie Irving as opposed to uh, one of the wings, right? It, Ky, Kawhi Asai, or even right? Kemba Walker. It's, Look, or sure, even yes. Kemba. Like, I really like Kem, Kemba Walker. When, uh, so. I meant to bring this up, and so, and it just sparked, sparked in my head. And so I'm going to say, say it now, and then we're going to get back to building out the rest of the roster. The Lake, so the Lakers kept Kyle, Kyle Kuzma. This is not a dig on, like, the other guys because I love the players that the Lakers traded. The Lakers kept the healthiest of the young guys. That is true. Right? Like, there are injury, like, whether or not you have long-term concerns about Brandon Ingram's health with, with the blood clot, Brandon Ingram has shown he's shown a proclivity to get banged up, ankle sprains, right, stuff like that. He suffered a concussion. Uh, his second season, Josh Hart dealt with real knee issues last season. 
I'm not saying that that's a long-term concern for for Bull for him. I'm just saying the Lakers actually kept the healthiest of of the young guys. Knock on wood, and I'm knocking on wood right now, like that that continues for for Kyle Kuzma. But I would not doubt if that played into sort of the value equation for the Lakers as well with this. Getting back to the the, the sort of roster construction stuff. Look, man, like like shoot just shooting and defense, man. Like I don't know. If I don't know what the value is going to be for certain players around the league as as it shakes out, but but look, man, like a guy like, I already mentioned, Reggie Bullock. I already mentioned a guy like like Wayne Ellington. Those guys may get bigger dollars than the Lakers can can afford. A guy I've had my eye on for a long time is Seth Curry. I'm imagining he'll get more money than what the Lakers can offer, but. I'm looking at guys like that. You know what I mean? Guards who can handle the ball, they can play some pick and roll or they can come off of they can come off off ball screens, they can hit shots come come well, well coming off down screens, they can hit shots coming off floppy actions, they can play two man game and handoff game with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. There's just a lot that you can do off of two sort of gifted big man type players and who also have perimeter skills the way that LeBron and Anthony Davis do. And even that sort of description completely undersells what they are as players. And so, like, just keep keep it with a plan that last year showed you what the plan should, should not be. And we talked about, rewind basically almost a year, right? When it was early July and we were recording these these conversations and we basically said, if nothing else, building the roster out this way is going to be um, a thought experiment that the Lakers are putting out there on the floor to actually see if, if this type of roster can work. And I think they they got a pretty strong verdict on that, that it doesn't. And so build out a team that you know actually makes sense, which is shooting and defense around these types of players. Where are you at? Yeah, you know, I'm in a similar place. I, I want to backtrack a little bit in terms of, you know, the, the playoffs just ended. And I always find the playoffs to be very educational, right, on where the highest end of this sport currently is, right? The regular season is more like a marathon in that, you know, it's not guys sprinting at their very fastest, right? They, especially the higher end teams are playing for June and they're playing for these late, you know, conference finals, finals type of series. And in the finals is, and and conference finals is really when it's go time, right? And where I think the truths about what basketball is in that particular era in that particular year that's when you really see them come to light because everybody has their foot on the gas pedal for that closing stretch and one of the things that becomes very apparent and this is nothing new but you have to make hard shots to succeed in the playoffs and there no one has any doubt of LeBron's ability to do that it's also something that Anthony Davis, due to his size and wingspan and release point, he's going to be a guy who in the highest level games is going to still be able to score, not be taken out of his game, 
the way that some other guys can. He's a good enough shooter, even, but that's not something that he relies on. And he's skilled enough to be able to get his shots off in the same way that he's able to throughout most of the season. Having two guys like that is really like that is <laughs> that's such a huge advantage. We we just saw this with Shaq and Kobe, right? They went about it a little bit differently, but the same type of idea. Then it becomes the second most important thing is are you nails on your defensive rotations? The three-point shooting is important, but it's not as important as that, in my opinion. This is one of the big reasons why I would have loved to hold on to Brandon Orlando. is that can you have that guy with young legs that is able to really make plays on the defensive end uh, along with being able to rotate? I will simply settle for guys who are able to make their rotations and and hopefully be able to shoot league average from three. Can you knock down the open shots that the that the main guys create for you? If they get a third max guy, if it's a Kyrie or Kemba or someone like that, then it becomes even more so like, can you defend at the highest levels? I, I would love to see, you know, I'd love to see them emphasize the defensive end of the court because that's something that... I think above all else, even shooting, they need to be able to do because you've got already got those two guys that can hit those tough shots. No, I could totally... I see where you're going with that. Um, a couple of years ago, I wrote an article about sort of this Venn diagram of skill sets that I wanted for the Lakers. Um, and... It was basically like shooting, passing, and defense, I think. And passing for me is sort of this equivalent to, um, like, it's it's not only a skill, but to me it's like a stand-in for basketball IQ or smarts or feel, right? Um, and so, I like, I guess I'm still looking for players who find themselves in the middle of that Venn diagram between those three skills. Sure. And, and one of those things should be something that you bring to the table. Um, and my preference, I guess, is that if you're in the shooting and defense one, I can settle if you're not going to be like, I guess, this super high-level IQ player, right? Like, if you're not Andre Iguodala, mm-hmm. then then maybe be someone who can defend and can shoot some. Um, if if you're saying your preference is to skew defense and go more towards that that defensive circle, I could I could be on board with that. My my question is though is say you do get a Kyrie or a Kemba Walker, um, and you're already committing money to LeBron James. Do you think it's and you have Anthony Davis, right? Anthony Davis is an elite defender. He is an all-defensive level player. And earlier this season, um, before the season went sideways with the trade demand and everything like that, he was being considered as a player who could win Defensive Player of the Year, right? And, and, and so Davis brings a certain amount of presence on that side of the floor that I feel like this team is really going going to need. My question is, is, yes, I'd rather have much more defense than in order to supplement that, but 
do you feel like even if they sign a bunch of guys who are sort sort of known for their defensive intensity um, and defensive ability, that it's going to matter all that much if you have weaker links in the chain, like say a LeBron James who might be coasting during the regular season, or a Kyrie Irving, or a Kemba Walker. You know, like I think back to that 2017 Cavs team, right? That was a great team. They lost to an even greater team, that Golden State Warriors team. But that Cavs team basically said, we know who we are. We're going to be an offensive juggernaut. Right. Right? And and if you sign Kyrie Irving to this team, it's basically that, but with Anthony Davis instead of Kevin Love. Yeah, and Davis is going to bring, just like we talked about just right now, he's going to bring a level of defense that's going to be obviously super useful. Right. I'm just wondering, though, is do you then start to um, burn cap space on finding guys who can then be like, okay, defense is really going to matter. It's really going to matter. So we should we should build that way. Or do you just say, well, you know what? No, what's really important is having an offensive efficiency that hovers around 115. I think that they I mean, I think you kind of have to play toward what you already have. And I think that they are more offensively inclined, especially with, you know, Kyrie didn't do so great of a job at this this year. But that whole thing about having two guys who can hit the hardest of shots in the NBA, Kyrie can do that, too. Yeah. At a high level, right? So having three of those guys, and it, and that's why I would so greatly emphasize defense everywhere else. But having three of those guys, man, especially in a league like this that seems so wide open, how, when things slow down, in, uh, being very cliche about this, it's not so much that it slows down in the playoffs. It's more that like teams are able to game plan for just just for you. So you have to get into your third and fourth and fifth type options and you have to take more difficult shots. I have a hard time just, it seems like a math problem for other teams, right? Like, can you stop those three guys from hitting tough shots? Even if two of them are on, on any given night, that's probably one more guy than you got on that can really create his own shot and knock it down and knock it down when it's tough. Can you be, adequate on the defensive end I I think if you're able to do that especially with the guys that you put around them I think that that's the equation because that's already the way that you're leaning despite Anthony Davis's defensive talents I still think that what they currently have is more skewed in that direction especially with keeping Kuzma as well yeah I'm I guess I can be talked into any angle at this point um it's just very interesting to me that there's still so many unknowns with a team that just traded for, you know, literally one of the best players in the entire league. And I think that that's what makes the Lakers super interesting and intriguing, like, today, the day that they made the trade, right? Because there are still so this team can still go in so many different directions, and on some levels they still are a blank slate, even though they have two tremendous building blocks in James and Davis. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just interested, man, to see like what the vision is for this team from the leadership. Like on in in some ways. Getting a star player is everyone's goal, you know? And so 
um, a lot of teams aren't aren't able to do it. The Lakers just were, so kudos to them. But now the hard part is really here. The really hard part, which is fill out a roster that makes sense within a bigger vision for how you think this team is going to play. And and I I hope Frank Vogel has some input on this, but uh, there's a lot of different directions the will the will the team can go right now and and I don't know man like it seems like there's just a great opportunity for the Lakers to to build something great and having an ability to get a, another max guy in there looks like a great way to accomplish that although that that leaves you thin still so there's there's just a lot to work through still Maybe at first, man, but in my opinion, I think it's it's well worth it in the long run. So we're gonna we've got a we are recording this on June fifteenth, and so that puts us sixteen days away from the start of free agency. And if nothing else, um, one benefit that comes with this that we have not discussed is this probably makes the Lakers bigger players for those guys. We always talk about them as though we are the ones choosing, but they are the ones choosing where they go, right? And I, I think that uh, uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, hopefully Kawhi Leonard, I, I have no idea with Kawhi. It's hard to get a read on. Like I, I'd mentioned before, I heard some good stuff back in, in December that the Lakers felt good about their chances with Kawhi. So much has happened since then with him leading Toronto to a title, and I have not heard a ton of buzz since then that it really doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot to me. But, you know, the Lakers have—the the one thing I will say about Kawhi is he doesn't have anything to prove to anyone, right? He's won two finals MVPs with two different teams. There is no— tarnished legacy with coming to the Lakers, right? Like there's no one's going that's going to be like, "Oh, well Kawhi couldn't do it on his own or anything like that. He did it on his own." And so if he chooses to go that route, my lord. Anyway, um the Lakers get the benefit of that and it's going to be a very fun uh couple of weeks coming up and we'll be here for all of it so thank you guys for listening to this episode this emergency pod the lakers have two superstars one of whom is 26 years old uh best of luck to lonzo ball brandon ingram josh hart uh thank you for the the fun times that they gave us over these last two and three years um i'm gonna be rooting for them from afar in As new will orleans I. yeah As will I. yeah and, and i i really wish them well i, I wish them good health because i think that everything else will fall into place for them so long as they're healthy um and yeah we uh there's going to be a lot more news dropping in the next couple weeks so be sure to stay with us you've been listening to laker film room podcast and we will catch you guys next time just give me a chance to think it takes me a little while to get wound up i know it does take you a while to think rebound to Vladi. nice rebound to Vladi. Oh! I think that is a cosmetic call, baby. Okay, kid, you're all right in my book. Will you get these idiots out of here? <laughs>